from the Goodnight Scholars Program at NC State University. I'm Dusty Patterson, and this is Have a Good Night. On today's episode, I sit down with Eric Fan and talk about unique programming experiences for the Goodnight Scholars Program, museum touring habits, mental health ambassadorship, changing majors, drag, and undergraduate research and internship experiences. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey, Eric, thank you so much for joining the Have a Good Night podcast. I'm stoked today that you took the time to come and talk about so many important things like academic related, personal um, involvement on campus. So just can't thank you enough for joining today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me here, Dusty. I've wanted to be on here for so long, (laughs) ever since like the first couple of podcasts with Bailey and Jill. Um, Anthony asked me about it at the beginning of the semester, but I never figured out the time to. So I'm really glad I'm finally here and having the chance to uh, speak at this podcast. And you even went and rented a professional microphone for this occasion. Yes, I did. Um, Yeah, I just decided... You know, my laptop's not the best, so I just went to DHL and went on their little website and looked at their audio recording equipment and just asked the front desk, and I got this for a week now. I love that you went and got that. I think you're the first person to ever, like, go and rent professional equipment. I know you are super artistic. I mean, we all know this, but you just tell us what you do when you go to museums. So every time I go to a museum of some sort, so the Museum of Natural Sciences here in Raleigh, the uh, Contemporary Art Museum, or the NCMA, my first thing is like if I see something super interesting to me, I will read like the artist description or whatever the installment is and the background behind it uh, for like a good solid like 20 minutes. And I don't think anyone like gets upset, but I can like feel myself like dragging behind the entire group because I just take so much time to like look at the descriptions and get to know the story of like the artist. But do you know how many people go to museums? Like I'm definitely guilty on occasion, but go to a museum and don't read anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, the context behind like the piece adds just so much to the overall experience for me. Like um, when we have the events where we go to the Greg Museum, I think reading the background behind the pieces is the most beautiful thing, sometimes more than the art piece itself, because it gives so much insight on what the artist was experiencing at the time and how they chose to convey their idea through their work. If there is a hidden gem that, you know, someone might be listening to this, could go visit in Raleigh, what would it be in terms of art just anything in the art realm? Um, let's see, that's a great question. I think, honestly, the most hidden gems are the ones that are limited. So those installments that are only there for a few months, like at the Greg, um, specifically talking about uh, the ones with African pieces and the experience of like African artists and their unique um, historical context because so much has happened throughout history and there was a recent in addition to the cultural no contemporary arts museum um i totally forgot the name of the artist but this artist spent like days and days like 
hours and hours on end, like without stopping at all, making their art. And all of it is just beautiful. They talk so much about um, the Black experience and what it means to be of Black culture, how uh, sometimes culture is appropriated, how it is growing up as a Black person. And a lot of these like very nuanced and unique experiences that are just really beautiful to listen to. And it really adds a lot for us to like understand. Absolutely. And I know you're super involved with the Good Night Squash program. I mean, just in every way, I guess you can yeah. be involved. But really, I remember you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say that you brought the idea of doing the painting of the hand fans. And you definitely taught it because yes. I was there and it was amazing. But um, can you talk about why you wanted to do that programming experience? And like, is was that your idea that you brought to Jill and we just did it as a group? So how this came to be is um, throughout my life, I've always loved fans. For me, it's, I think it's probably like one of the most iconic things. If you think of like Asian culture, it's like in every single one. The fan is just a beautiful piece and culturally, and it's also something that's so unique and individual to people. Um, for me, they mean a lot to me culturally, and I just love them. I have a fan collection and I just, you know, I just collect them whenever I see them. Um, I suggested getting Goodnight Fans for Jill first, my first year. Um, Jill rejected the idea. But I was like, this is a perfect idea for like retreat leaders and like incoming first years because the summer, it is hot. So I had to bring out my own fan because I knew everyone else was sweating. <laughs> so <laughs> eventually I um, got to jail and after asking like a good handful of times again, she uh, kind of met me in the middle and decided how come, well, how about we have our own like little event to paint fans? I was like, you know what, that's a great idea. And so, yeah, over like a couple or a few weeks, um, Jill and I went back and forth on emails and what to get and how to do this. And eventually just came to fruition and I got to host the whole uh, Good Night event on it. It was just the coolest event. And um, was that your first time teaching? Um, yeah, that was pretty much my first time facilitating the event. So I'm not an ambassador or anything, but like... I've had to, uh, well, I've had the opportunity to facilitate a few events this year on my own, and it's been pretty, pretty amazing. Next year, I will be a program ambassador, so that's exciting as well. But this has been a fantastic opportunity to kind of connect with scholars and kind of, you know, shed my own light on things. And I know we could probably talk for a few hours about everything that you're involved with at NC State because yeah. this, the list is so long. Um, it's insane. But can you talk a little bit about the process of changing majors at NC State? What was your original major coming in? Why did you change majors? And like, you know, looking back on the experience, uh, can you reflect on the code of process and just all of that? Mm -hmm. Of course. So um, I came in originally as a chemistry major. Um, throughout my life, I've always loved chemistry ever since I was a little kid and I've like watched like YouTube experiments like and even like lab experiments about it. I never understood it, but once I got to like high school and I took AP chemistry, I fell in love with everything. 
and I bounced a lot between like biochemistry, biomedical engineering, chemistry, biology, but I settled on chemistry as my first choice coming to NC State. And it wasn't until um, my first few days coming into the Goodnight Scholars program when my uh, Goodnight mentor, Aiden Winters, he used to study polymer and color chemistry his first year. And I told him about um, what I wanted to do with my academic career. And he immediately was like, that is exactly what PCC is and how they get um, polymer and color chemistry. That's exactly what PCC is. That's like everything um, that there is to the major. And I was like, wait a minute, this is really cool. And so I looked into it more. And for me, I thought, you know, being in the College of Textiles, it's all just, you know, clothing or whatnot. And that wasn't something I was interested in. But I spoke to a now um, alumni, uh, Stephanie Atkinson. She was a polymer and color chemistry major, and she uh, taught me everything there is to know about the program. And it's been really cool. It incorporates so much of fundamental chemistry and kind of the applications and real applications. So like your plastics, your all these products that we use in like skincare. It's amazing in material science. Um, changing majors i think it was relatively simple going into textiles because it's one of the smallest um colleges here at nt state besides design i believe and um they're happy to have more pcc majors actually there's been a very very uh low amount of new students coming into textiles unfortunately with these uh, pcc programs uh so the coder process was pretty simple to me. I just submitted a sentence about why I wanted to join the College of Textiles and what PCC meant to me, and I'm, the rest is history. I love that. And was there any fear, though, with, you know, transferring um, majors at all? Was there, you know, because I feel like people can come in. I mean, we were just at interview day, and some of the questions that we got were, how did you pick your major? And like, what if I absolutely hate it? Am I stuck in it forever? Was there any fear with that for you? Or were you like, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to take it head on and I'm not going to look back. Yeah, that's a great question. So I came in and I was very scared that because polymer and color chemistry seems like a niche kind of route of chemistry, like a little sub branch. And in reality, sometimes a lot of these like majors really are not that like niche at all. PCC has a lot of applications in the real world and the amount of products we use with like polymers and plastics and resins and stuff. So to me, I, I realized that um, through the people that I knew that uh, this major is absolutely not as like a specialized major as it seems to be. Um, it has so many useful applications and sometimes rather than chemists or chemical engineers, companies will actually look for polymer scientists. And another thing I was afraid of was um, coming into chemistry, I had to take chemistry for chemistry majors. I already received credit for chemistry through AP um, testing, but unfortunately that doesn't transfer over for the chemistry program. So I was afraid, um, will I have to retake things? Will I have to, you know, kind of figure out everything again? And that was not the case. That did transfer over and I got to use my chemistry credit. And so, yeah, I think the hardest thing about um, changing majors is the path of uncertainty. 
And my philosophy is this, is that nobody's path is ever linear nor concrete. So everyone's path is absolutely different. And sometimes it's not a straight path. There's a lot of winding roads. There's a lot of branches. Sometimes we might go backwards or in a loop. But our destination's always pretty much the same. And you don't really ever have to compare yourself to anybody else's um, road. Yours is completely different. And that's all you really need to know to succeed in life, to follow your own kind of uh, ambitions. I really like that because I think today we just saw in just like in general, the fear of change or um, especially with the scholarship, not doing the major that I guess you came in intending to do. Um, So I think it's cool that you look at it that way and you weren't nervous, as nervous as I guess you could be in the situation. Um, And I actually don't know this about you. So you're going to have to, you know, give me all the details, but I did not know that you did undergraduate research. Yeah. So I know that NC State coming in was renowned for um, its research for students. So like the three major schools that we have in Triangle. I think NC State definitely has some of the most cutting edge research. And I've always wanted to be a part of it. I just really didn't know how. Nobody at like my high school knew how to do research and if that was even a thing in college. So I came in kind of clueless and not knowing really anything about it. Um, It was a bit difficult getting my foot in, especially because of coming in during the height of the pandemic where everything was pretty much shut down and no undergrads were in any of the labs at all. Um, My process was basically talking to some older uh, students, uh, some seniors, and definitely some in the GoodNet program, and with the pro staff for advice on how to, you know, do research. But ultimately, um, a lot of it does come down to your own kind of personal uh, searching. So for me, I really love any application of chemistry, but more so with like material sciences and like polymers, surfaces, that kind of stuff. So I took upon myself to look into the staff page for um, the College of Sciences and the College of Textiles. And over the summer of after my first year, I sent out like probably like 15 emails um, starting like in like April. I probably got like half of them back and I would say like I got accepted to like five or six labs to work as what? a I know right I thought it was like insane yeah so yeah thank you so unfortunately a lot of it um came down to housing and for me I didn't know anything about like subletting or anything and I didn't have a car or vehicle or transportation uh, I had like no idea what to do in like food plants I did not take the opportunity to do research, but I used the opportunity to at least make faculty connections and kind of network a little bit more. And I got more recommendations on um, how to approach research in the future, who to talk to. And so I kind of really started um, last fall with um, my, let's see, my research lab in the Gorman Group in the uh, Department of Chemistry. So. Fall 2021, I started shadowing them. And yeah, I'm just now getting um, comfortable with being in the lab and getting to understand the very complex language of science and academia. 
because listening to grad students talk, it's like a whole, literally a different language, and you kind of have to like sit there and take it in and kind of digest it a little bit. But ultimately, research is something wonderful uh, for anybody to explore. And honestly, the process is a little daunting. There's a lot of yeses, but a lot of noes as well. And I like to use those kinds of um, noes or like when doors close as an opportunity to find some other ones. And I think it's so impressive that you got into five or six different um, research opportunities because I think sometimes people are just, they get into one and it's like the craziest thing in the world because uh, faculty and staff are so busy and research is, like you said, so demanding and there's such a learning curve and a training curve. I'm just not surprised, but super impressed. And so that means that you've been doing it, what, for one and a half-ish semesters now? Yeah, yeah. A lot of it, like, I haven't had a lot of, um, like, hands-on experience, but a lot of it is mostly listening to these grad students and getting a feel of things. I haven't really started my own project, but that is something I want to do for after finals and continuing next fall. Um, I would say that research is definitely something that is challenging, but also very rewarding for your own kind of enrichment. For sure. 100%. And so you have to remind me, you're doing research now, and then you hope to continue that in the fall. But I know there's something in the middle. Are you continuing the research that you're doing now in the summer, or is it a separate internship opportunity? Uh huh. So um, last, uh, in the fall, I applied for an internship position at Parker Lord, and I was accepted for the internship for this summer. And that's where I'm going to be doing my own kind of work um, with developing polymer adhesives or like structural and vehicle kind of models. Um, so yeah, a lot of people helped me with that. A fellow alumni from the Goodnight Scholars program, Craig Turner, helped me uh, find this position and helped me through the process. Um, alumni St- Stephanie Atkinson, PCC major, also helped me because she also interned there. So yeah, I've got a lot of support from our community finding this kind of internship opportunity. That is so cool. And you know what's crazy? Um, are you? Do you know Dante Sutton in the yes. Goodnight Scholars? Yes. 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 He, he told me there that too. he worked there too. Yes. Yes. And he's going to work full time. So I wonder if your paths will cross because he graduates this semester. So he'll be at Parker Lord full time. And you're going to be in the Cary office, right? Yes, uh, their main kind of like research and development center is here in Cary. And yeah, Dante did reach out to me and told me that he uh, used to intern there. So I'm really excited to hear that he's working there full time. And I actually do hope that our paths will cross there. He um, He's awesome. And I think y'all will just have the coolest conversations because he had nothing but amazing things to say about Parker Lord and his experience there. And I had no idea that Stephanie Atkinson was a PCC major, but I think that it's cool that you um, reached out to them and took the time to make those connections. Um, Was that something that was recommended to you or did you kind of go searching like, hey, what are some Goodnight Scholars alums that might have been in PCC? Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of both. Um, I've asked like the pro staff, like Jill, Bailey, and Allison, uh, my first year on like who to talk to when I wanted to change my major. And Stephanie Atkinson was immediately the first person because 
Um, at the time, I think she was the only senior in the program. Uh, there was Chloe Patterson, but she was the second year at the time. Um, but they really wanted me to get to know more about the overall experience. And so Stephanie was one and she worked at Parker Lord. So yeah, she helped me a lot with finding that opportunity. Um, I think other than that, a lot of it did come down to my own searching. Uh, Stephanie was also a research, let's see, I think a research ambassador for textiles and I had to look up for some things too um, about the resources at NC State and there's so many I can tell you like forever about them. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that helped me a lot finding these opportunities for sure. Speaking of NC State resources, it's a perfect segue into probably you would have to kind of tell me but it seems like one of the more impactful involvement opportunities or involvement that you do on NC State's campus, but you're heavily involved with the Mental Health Ambassadors Program. And can you just explain to us a little bit, first of all, why you were interested in joining that program, um, what your involvement looks like now, and maybe some advice for how do NC State students and Goodnight Scholars, of course, like tap into those resources? Because they might not even know they exist. Right, right. So Mental Health Ambassadors is a program through the Counseling Center and Prevention Services that really shines light on um, students at NC State with the amazing resources that we have for not just mental health services, such as the Counseling Center, but also the many other kinds of resources we have in general. So for me, I decided to join the Mental Health Ambassadors program because they really helped me, or the Counseling Center really helped me when I first came in my first year. That was during the height of the pandemic, and honestly, that long period of isolation and quarantine really took a number on my mental health, and I just felt completely in shambles when I first came in here, especially as a first-generation college student and as someone with, like, no family that knows anything about college. It was a huge culture shock. Um, the counseling center did a lot f to help me uh, find skills to cope and even helped me find medication to help um, treat some of the, uh, I guess, the mental health side effects, I guess. So I was um, diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I um, reached out the first time and I wasn't surprised because this is something I was like dealing with a lot uh, throughout my whole life. And they've been really awesome in trying to advocate for me and how I succeed in my classes. So they even offered to like contact professors and let them know about things and to like uh, advocate for like additional deadlines or like uh, extensions for my classes. And their kind of advocacy inspired me a lot to help others because I know a lot of people in my cohort were feeling the exact same way as I was. So throughout my first year, I reached out a lot to them and got a lot of people connected with the counseling center. And that definitely helped a lot of them with how they're um, addressing mental health and trying to feel more um, confident in their abilities and success here at NC State. I know COVID was just... I think it was heartbreaking because 
those of us who, right, you joined the Goodnight Scholars Program at the peak, and it's just, it was kind of in the middle of the craziness. For those who were here before, and then it got interrupted by COVID, it was like everything changed in an instant. And I think right. it affected everyone so differently, but everyone struggled, at least that I've talked to with some of the same um, underlying issues, just having to look at a screen all day, take your classes from a screen, um, the depression that comes with that. I mean, also just sitting in one place, you know, versus walking around campus. I mean, there's a lot that happened. I don't know if you and feel free not to go into this, but what did sort of you experience coming into NC State in the middle of COVID? What did you expect? And then what challenges, I guess, um, were you confronted with? Mm-hmm. So coming in, I knew that things would be very difficult. Um, spending like the last half of my high school senior experience pretty much virtually. Well, it wasn't a great feeling, but coming into NC State and starting college, I think that it was absolutely a tremendous change. But personally, I felt that compared to now where classes have become more relaxed and have been coming more in person, I think it was slightly easier in terms of academics because there is so much with classes in um, having open note tests and teachers being a little bit more lenient and understanding for students. But of course, the major challenges absolutely was sitting behind the screen and not getting to meet anybody, sitting pretty much sedentary for like the entire day and just continuing the whole process for like three months. I think it was a very isolating time, but I was fortunate um, when everybody got kicked off campus in the first two weeks, I stayed here with a couple of other Goodnight Scholars and we really bonded in our um, close friend group now. So we kind of all struggled through all of that together. And the challenges of just kind of being in like the very quiet zone of college where nobody's here and everything's online and everything's pretty much just isolated was mitigated a little bit by just having a couple of other friends here that could, you know, help with that. I think you bring up a good point in just connection. Um, and I mean, we have that built in a little bit through the Goodnight Scholars Program, but what if someone is listening to this and they go, I struggled with that during COVID. I still have, you know, things that need to be addressed now, but I'm too nervous to reach out or I'm nervous that someone will find out that I reached out for help or I don't know who to reach out to. Um, what would your advice be to them? Right. So something that I've always struggled with with my entire life was reaching out for help. I don't know why, but there's always an innate sense of shame associated with me. And the reality is that there really is no shame in asking for help at all. Everybody struggles, no matter how visible or invisible it seems to the person. Everybody struggles, and it's important that everybody has their needs met. And yeah, there's just, there's, it's sometimes sad for me to hear that 
so many people have struggled for so long without getting any sort of help. My advice is please do not um, fear that taking or asking for help makes you feel any sort of way like shameful or less than because everybody needs help eventually. Everybody needs to ask for help. And that's such an important lesson in life to really know who to ask for help. Um, I think if you are in need of help, there's so much here um, on campus at NC State that can help you find whatever you need, whether that's academic help, uh, mental health services, uh, physical health services, anything like that. If you have a question about um, finances, if you have a question about food or housing insecurity, anything like that, there's somebody on campus that's absolutely here for you. And a lot of it is in confidentiality where no one else has to really know except you and the person that's helping you out. I think that um, asking for help is such an integral part of like the human experience and how we get to connect with other people and how we get to thrive as human beings. When it comes to maybe checking on someone, um, like you said, uh, mental health issues come both visibly and invisibly. Usually, at least in my experience, and you would know more because you're a mental health ambassador, but usually it's invisible. And so how do you check on someone that you either are worried about or how do you just make sure that your friends, family, peers within the Good Night Scholars program, like whatever it is, you know, on campus, how do you ask them in a way that is respectful um, of them, but also if you're concerned or if they haven't been showing any signs, but like you said, everyone deals with things. So do you have a best practice for people listening or who might be wondering, okay, I, I know someone, but I'm not going to disrespect them or um, offend them. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely a very difficult um, situation for a lot of people that do want to help others. Sometimes we just really don't know how to address the situation or how to really engage with this kind of topic because mental health and personal struggles can be very difficult for a lot of people to speak about. Um. My best practice is if I see people exhibiting, you know, subtle signs or, you know, more visible signs uh, through like the kind of tone or, you know, their topics that they talk about, sometimes if possible, I like to personally message them maybe after the encounter, like if I'm sitting in the lounge with them or if I like you know, am in person with them, I sometimes might ask them in person or pull them aside and ask if everything's okay. And, you know, addressing or stating that I am noticing like that they're struggling in this area. And I want to know if, you know, they're doing okay. And if there's anything I could personally do. And that's also the key issue in making uh, the encounter as smooth as possible having both parties comfortable and ensuring the other person's comfortable. You never really want to force these kinds of things onto somebody, but you know, checking in and making sure they know that you care and that they have resources available to them to 
kind of get through whatever obstacle that they're experiencing at the moment is absolutely key in helping other person for sure. I really like what you said about just asking, like, you know, I think we sometimes think it's like this elaborate um, message that we need to come up with to ask someone how they're doing. But really, sometimes it's just pulling them aside privately and just saying, are you okay? And um, I mean, I recently had an experience with just someone asked me, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, super overwhelming time in the semester. um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of took a second and I was like, you know what, actually, like right now, I'm not doing great. Um, And usually I'm very like, everything's good. Nothing, you know, nothing to report. But I think when just her asking that question, I'm just super overwhelmed. And so if she had never asked me that, though, I probably would have never told her. Um, And so like you said, sometimes just asking the question in private is huge. And um, I know you talked about the signs. Um, Can you tell us about maybe some signs that you've seen that have been red flags for you um, or that you've learned through the mental health ambassadors program where uh, we would know, okay, maybe we should ask them, you know, pull them aside privately. Like what are some signs that you, that you know? Right. So there are some simple like physiological signs through like a person's, I guess, composure, if that makes sense. So the way that they carry themselves, sometimes you can just notice that they are very tense and carry a lot of tension all, like all of the time. And, you know, as a college student, we experience a lot of stress with our um, academics, but somebody who's constantly ex- like expressing that they're very overwhelmed constantly is absolutely an issue or a red flag that should be addressed. Um, sometimes hearing, you know, sometimes if a student copes in a certain way that might not be the most healthy, whether that's uh, substance use such as alcohol or other drugs, or um, just methods of, I guess, coping that might not seem helpful, like sometimes it's self-harming or self-deprecating like in a way. Um, I know people use humor a lot, but sometimes hearing someone continuously make a joke of themselves in a harmful way is absolutely a sign of distress. And yeah, besides that, I think a lot of times uh, signs are very subtle in how people convey them. It's just um, feeling it out and kind of sometimes looking into it a little bit more than surface level. And, you know, it's better safe than sorry to, if you're concerned about a person, if you're able to in a private and um, I guess not accusatory manner, just asking, is everything all right? So from your work in the mental health ambassadors program, I know you've kind of discovered maybe some advocacy that you want to pursue both in college and then after college. So can you tell us about kind of what this program, well, where you go from the mental health ambassadors program and what advocacy you want to do in the future? Mm-hmm. So with the Mental Health Ambassadors Program, um, something I started on this semester was a presentation for first-generation college students. 
as one myself, I had no idea what I was getting into going to college. And a lot of us or other fellow first-gen students, especially in the Good Night program, because that's absolutely one of our target, targeted um, demographics, we don't exactly know what's going on a lot of the time either with like how complicated uh, college can be. So I made my own presentation and I had the fantastic opportunity of presenting that uh, presentation about how stress comes about in first-generation college students and how it's linked to identity and intersectionality and the amazing resources on campus again um, on how to help us succeed. Um, I am part of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee in the Mental Health Ambassadors Program. So one thing I want to work on in the future is absolutely incorporating more kinds of uh, diverse presentations on, I guess, the both queer and a person of color experience. So personally, I haven't found a lot of spaces on campus to be super welcoming for both um, students that might identify as queer or uh, students of color. And that's something I absolutely want to change. And in the future, I hope to find ways to make presentations and connect with the uh, Wolfpack community and, you know, create a more equitable space for everybody. I am just blown away um, by just your involvement and your advocacy in this space. And um, I know we've talked about this before, but if you could change the current environment at NC State and the Good Night Scholars Program um, in the world when it comes to creating spaces, like let's say on campus, um, what do you hope to accomplish before you graduate? Um, or what changes would you like to see implemented? Mm -hmm. So one thing I've always been pretty much wanting a change for is seeing more of a welcome space for people that don't exactly conform to a lot of like social norms and standards, if that makes sense. For me, I identify as non-binary, so it becomes a very complicated um, topic when it comes to any sort of like gender discussion or how I feel welcome in a space because so many spaces on campus already kind of reinforce or even like in a subtle manner um, gender binaries such as like if like in writing only using he and she um, for me, one thing I absolutely want to change about this campus is making it a more welcoming space for anybody who deviates outside of the gender binary. Because to me, gender is a very complicated, but ultimately a social construct. And, you know, that's one thing that doesn't really work for a population of 7 billion people that everyone fits into the binary male and female. A lot of us fit in between or even outside, and that's absolutely one thing I want to change. I think by the time you graduate, hopefully um, that's the case. And obviously it's not all on your shoulders. I mean, I think we all um, can advocate together. And I think um, I've definitely noticed that as well. So I think it's interesting that you bring it up on the podcast too, um, just looking around campus. Can you tell us a little bit about um, 
can you tell us a little bit about your experience doing drag and how, like, why you got into drag and just tell us about your experience and how that relates to being a mental health ambassador, just all of that. Mm -hmm. So I've always known um, when I was a little kid that I was absolutely different. Um, When I was four years old, I was like caught playing in my mom's makeup and like her shoes and stuff like that. I've always liked some of the traditionally like feminine kind of things. So like the shoes, the clothing, the makeup, the hair. And that's something I haven't really embraced until like recently in like high school. Um, My second year in high school, so my sophomore year, I did drag at my school's annual talent show. Um, I bought a bunch of... Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on whatever platform you are listening on. I'm Dusty Patterson. Stay safe and catch you next month. Stuff like wigs and outfits and makeup and uh, perform to Madonna's song Vogue in drag. And for me, that was my ultimate way of self-expression. Um, kind of defying all of the things, all the social norms and ways that I have been socialized to conform to. Drag is ultimately my passageway of allowing myself to breathe and be authentically who I am. And, you know, doing drag helps me a lot here because you find a lot of support in doing drag and being authentically yourself. You know, I think that drag has helped me develop so much of who I am because otherwise I really don't think I would be doing a lot of things I would be now because drag helped me become so much more comfortable with who I am and how I like to express myself. And it's something that can be, you know, for everybody, for for real, like, there are drag kings, drag queens, and drag things, and everything in between. Um, drag has helped me with the Mental Health Ambassadors program by really showing me that there's more than just, you know, the gender binary and how we kind of consider, like, certain things and how we view certain things. So it helped me break down the kind of boxes and walls of what is, you know, masculine and feminine and helping to see everybody and myself rather as just like the traditional male and female as just themselves, you know, to me, um, it's helped me navigate a life a lot more comfortably by removing kind of these um, social constructs that we place upon things and i think it is the coolest thing that you have found something like that really speaks to you but i also think it's super important that you're living your authentic life as a mental health ambassador because you can actually talk to people and be like i am truly living my authentic life if they're going through something similar you can say i'm literally walking the walk and talking the talk and like i am myself i'm like you know what i mean like you're living someone were to come to you and you couldn't say that like I'm not being myself and I'm not living my authentic life I think that it adds value to you being a mental health ambassador um (laughs) 
and I think it's the coolest thing. Right. And so yeah. I know it's been a while since you've done drag, um, but when exactly is the last time? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I've done drag was um, my senior year of high school, right before COVID really took a hold. So I think it actually was like early March, right before lockdown, that I did my last show. And, you know, a lot about me has changed since then. So I, it's been a while and I haven't had that kind of time to really invest in myself. And that's something I've been really meaning to do because I I think I owe it to myself to be happy and to be the most authentic self I can be. Um, I think that's something everybody should owe to themselves. And for people listening you know, to this, to like obviously, oh, goodness, always listen. Pursue um, their own but maybe some other people is. at NC State or even people mine. outside the NC that State community. But I've for really anyone, like a good night scholar, NC State student who's listening, sure. who might be like, you know what, I want to talk to Eric. Like, um, you know, whether it's, you know, you serving as the middleman to um, to the mental health ambassadors program or just like to the counseling center, or it's just to talk to you specifically. Um, can they do that? Yes, absolutely. I always try to have myself be the most welcoming person and approachable person possible. I'm always down to talk about literally anything if it's like just about interesting things in like chemistry or like how can I do research? How can I know more about this thing on campus? How do I find resources? How can I how can I feel about um, how I am involved in you know campus or how do I fit overall in college? I think that's one thing I want to be for other people to be not a role model, but somebody that is able to inspire someone and help them discover themselves in any way, whether that's academic, gender or sexuality expression, because I didn't have that for myself growing up. I really had nobody to kind of talk to, to inspire me to pursue um, college or pursue my own kind of validity and how I wanted Thank to exist in the and world. Also, I guess so if you want to go to museums, you can hit Eric to, up. You, know, um, reach out to, you just might be reading all the descriptions <laughs> with him, but want, you know, um, to be open kind of to end us off, what do you with. think the next two years are going to look for you, look like for you at NC State? Um, any dreams, passions, anything you should know about? <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in the next two years, I'm really hoping that I can continue discovering more about myself and enjoying who I am. I also want to establish like more of myself in research and academia. Um, 
I am planning on going to grad school, so hopefully in the next two years I apply for some like fellowships and get accepted, and hopefully I get into a you know wow. graduate school program You're somewhere. You're so amazing! I'm so um, glad so that you decided to do the next few years podcast. I can also study um, abroad as I'm, well. If anyone wants to reach out to you, uh, his info is on the Goodnight Scholars website and being um, a resource for other uh, students email, as well. And just uh, all the info. What's the best way yeah. to reach out to you? Is it email or phone? Thank you. Yeah, email is definitely my uh, okay, best way of perfect. communication. I just so can't thank you enough so much for coming on the podcast. And, um, you can also I reach me by LinkedIn messaging as well. But I think most uh, reliable income, for me and hopefully you uh, can to do organize the, is probably and, email programming event next year too because it was really fun and just really relaxing to get in the lounge and yeah. just paint for an hour but thank you so much eric oh yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah i definitely will be doing that next year because we have a lot of extra fans still and hopefully i can continue presenting <laughs> hopefully I can continue presenting to the good night scholars community with like my presentation or other uh presentations through the um counseling center and prevention services so yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed being here. You made me feel so welcome. And I just am always so happy to be a part of this program and to kind of continue expressing uh, myself and yeah, just being here. Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on whatever platform you are listening on. I'm Dusty Patterson, stay safe, and catch you next month.